Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Crosspoint. Um, this week, the weather has been amazing. Oh my. Yeah. I mean, you look at the calendar, and it's like, what, November 8th? And I'm from South Dakota originally, and usually about this time, we have like 8 to 10 inches of snow. So, I mean, it is phenomenal. I mean, wow. It's like 75 today. Yeah. Like, the last three days, 70s, crazy. So, let's hope this weather keeps staying. No. What? <laughs> you don't like this weather? How dare you? Deer season. We need to why, why don't you move up to South Dakota? <laughs> yeah, but this weather, amazing, and yeah, that's all I got. So, welcome to Crosspoint. Let's get this started, Phil. Uh, this morning we're going to hear from Clay uh, Miller, which I'm very excited to hear from him. He's going to share his vision for the youth ministry here um, as a, uh, the, the new guy on our team. So we're, we're very excited to hear from him. Uh, go ahead and stand up with me. Let's sing together. song last week. A 
Let's sing about the God who overcomes. We will not be moved. Now the darkness fades into new beginnings as we lift our eyes to a hope beyond. Our creation waits with an expectation to declare the I lost a count of the songs and I was like wait is it announcement time is it like and I think I don't know if everyone else did too and I was like wait I didn't want to come up and be sit down we're not done yet uh, all right so churchtrack.com for crosspoint that is crosspoint.churchtrack with no k Com. That is where everything I'm talking about right now, uh, we try as best we can to get it all on there. So if I blast through it too quickly, you can scan that QR code or go there and you will be able to see all of our announcements. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 5.30 a.m. These doors are open uh, for prayer time. Uh, it's for men's prayer. Uh, Chase and I are here regardless if anyone else shows up. If you only want to show up once, pray with us. Got something on your mind. Go about your business. We're not going to pressure you to come back. That's okay. If you want to come every time, that's fine too. It can be something small, big, whatever. doesn't matter. These doors are open at 5.30 a.m. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday if you are a man and you would like to pray with us. 
we had an outstanding response for the Christmas uh, Christmas gifts for uh, the kid that we adopted, Dreary. Uh, that's it's already done. People signed up and it's and we're good. So praise the Lord for that. Thank you for uh, responding. And that is finished. We'll be having a baby shower for Jessica Sousa. That's yeah. Phil's wife right over here. You saw Phil. That's his uh, better half. It will be on November 14th right here at the church at 10 a.m. If you have any questions, see Caitlin. Wednesday nights at 6.30 every week, we have something in this room called The Gathering. It is cross points equivalent of small groups, but it's a kind of a one big cross point group. Everybody brings food. We have an awesome time of fellowship, and then we usually break out into two groups. Right now, it's a male and female group. We're doing First Corinthians. There's no like, well, I haven't been coming, and I don't know what they're going to be talking about. So I, you know, don't. It's it's totally fine. It's not some video series. It's not you know watching a Star Wars movie you've never seen right in the middle, and you're like, wait, who's he's whose father? What? I don't get what's happening. Like you can come in and jump in, and it will all make sense. It'll be okay. We still need volunteers. Uh, all those volunteer opportunities are up there on the whiteboard. Uh, I think the children have graffitied on them a little bit, but it's still legible. We need volunteers for cleaning team. We need volunteers for the kids area. And we need uh, counters for the offering after church. All of these are fairly straightforward. Uh, come see me and I can get you uh, connected to the right person. We are still collecting over there at that table, that's quite an encouragement over there. We are collecting stovetop stuffing. Uh, the goal is 100 boxes. Those will go to people helping people in Republic. The deadline is November 29th, and it, the collection is already growing uh, over there. Thank you, Dave, for showing that off. We're also collecting peanut butter and jelly for Wheel Fed Pantry. Deadline is also November 29th. So if you're bringing stovetop stuffing or peanut butter and jelly, it's all being collected at the back table, and I'm glad to see that is growing. Don't forget, kids' area, uh, the nursery is still closed, and masks are required for the kiddos. We are going to take a five-minute connection break here shortly. Uh, you can use the bathrooms, which are over there. Kids will go into the kids' area. You can fellowship with one another. And don't forget, the new hospitality team has been hard at work making treats and all kinds of goodies, so don't forget to stop by the bar and get yourself some treats. Five minutes, three, two, one, go. All right, I hope everybody is doing well today. I know Grant was spot on with how amazing the weather has been. I usually get a little nervous when weather changes like it did. Like last week, everybody was freezing because it was like 20-something degrees, and now it's 80s. Normally, that's when I get really sick. Not COVID-related, just normal, like, bleh, real sick. Anybody else like that? Temperature change and it's gone. That's how I feel. So hopefully that stays off. Though I did squeak just now, so that's not a good. <laughs> that continues on. Just laugh, point, and it'll be all good. Uh, my name is Clay Miller. I am the now youth minister here at Cross Point. And I just have to say that I'm thrilled to be here with everybody. And I'm excited to get to work with our youth and our families and all of you here. Because I think this whole thing of youth ministry and kids ministry and all the other ministries we do is not just centered around one specific group of people, but it involves the whole of the church. And so I want to say that I'm excited to work with everybody here. I've gotten a chance to meet a few of our guys who are uh, going to be with us. And I can tell you, you've got some pretty awesome young men in this church. And uh, we're excited to see them grow in Christ, our families grow in Christ, and for all of us to grow in Christ in that way. And so what I want to do is just give you a little synopsis of the vision we kind of have for what youth ministry looks like here and really flesh that out biblically. And so what I want to do is just give you a brief synopsis. So we're going to dive into it a little bit, and then I'm going to show you at the end how that practically worked out in the Bible. Okay? Sound good? All right, let me pray real quick for us. Lord Jesus, thank you for the morning. Thank you for the amazing weather. Thank you for the breath that we breathe. And Lord, I ask you right now to be with me, to preach your word and not my own, that we may see your glory in no one else's. Help us to love you deeply and embolden us 
to do what you have called us to do in this life. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. All right, so you can see up on the screen behind me here, or at least onto the sides, um, kind of the three-step process of what I see as the, the vision here uh, when we approach youth ministry. The first one is equipping families. What that means is just how do we take, whether or not you're the parent of a youth kid or a two-year-old or expecting, right? How do we equip families to disciple their children at home? And so that's the first step we want to jump into. Secondly is, as we have students who are here, that for me, for the leadership here, how do we equip your students when they come and they gather here? I know not this Wednesday, but the next Wednesday, we're going to start a youth Bible study up here right before our gathering on Wednesday night from 5.30 to about 6.15, 6.30. And so we're going to start then. We may change that time as time goes on, but for now we're going to start there. We're just going to get to know each other, we're going to do some fellowship, we're going to do some food, some games, and we're going to dive into Scripture. And so we're going to use that as our equipping students and doing some other things in that realm too. And lastly, it's equipping the church. Some of you may not have kids. Some of you may not be married. Some of you may have kids and they're gone on and moved on. They've, they're 30, 40 something years old now. But you too can still be active in helping us grow a youth ministry here or as you hear, a children's ministry, right? And so this is not just a function of like me and the teenagers like doing our own little thing in the back though that may happen sometimes. It's all of us working together in that. And so where I want to first first focus in on this comes from Matthew chapter 28. If you hear, if you've been in church for a while and you hear Matthew 28, you usually think of a certain part of the Bible, right? It's called the Great Commission. And I'll read it for you here. You look on the screen. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority on heaven and earth has been given unto me. Therefore, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded to you. And surely I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. This is Jesus' commandment. He's died, he's come back, and now he's telling them, this is what I want you to do. Go and make disciples. Now, a lot of us get caught up in that go sometimes, right? Like we think, oh, I've got to go and like go to a park and find some random person and track them down in Jesus' name, right? Or I have to go to Africa and be tortured for Christ. I got a friend who thought that like the only way to be a good Christian was I had to at least go to Africa once and like be tortured in Jesus' name. I'm like, uh, is that like in second opinions to like, that's not part of the Bible, right? Like, thus says the Lord, be tortured in Africa. Oh, okay. Right? That'd be totally different. But that's not what Jesus is getting at here. In fact, the go is not the action that Jesus is getting at. You see, the go is implied. See, all of us got up this morning and thought, I'm going to go to church. Or someone told you, you're going to go to church this morning, right? You're going to go to church, and you're here now, or you're maybe online. You went, got up and said, I want to go online and look up the sermon today. And afterwards, you're going to go eat lunch. You're going to go to the store. You're going to go to the gas station. You're going to go home. You're going to go somewhere, right? Because I don't think Phil and Paul is going to let you stay here. So you're going to go somewhere. And so it's implied you're going to go. The action here is the make. Go and make disciples, that as we are going, as we are gathered here, we are going to make disciples wherever we go. And we do that through being like Christ and actually speaking what Jesus has told us to talk about. And so when it comes to equipping, when we equip our families, this is what I want you to know, that if you're a parent, whether that's your second grader or a teenager, I want to let you know that I, I want to be committed to you. And I know Paul and Chelsea are the same way. We want to be committed to you of how do you do this thing called discipling? How do we disciple our kids at home? How do we open the Bible up with them? How do we make Jesus a common name that we hear in our house and not an uncommon name? Because a lot of us, like I grew up in church and we talked about Jesus, but it wasn't often. Like we didn't, we never opened a Bible. We never, uh, we, we prayed together sometimes, but we didn't really do a whole lot. Jesus was kind of an uncommon name in our home. 
though we are Christians, we all went to church and everything like that. But how do we change that? How do we make it to where Jesus is a common name and he is someone that you know, we like to talk about? How do we teach our kids, hey, this is how we pray, and praying's not weird. How do we go and tell somebody about Jesus and it's not terrifying, right? Can we relate to that one at least, right, where it's a little scary? And so I want us to be able to equip in that. You know, God calls us to it. If you look in Deuteronomy chapter 6, it's, what, it's a famous part of the Bible called the Shema. Now, Shema, parents, you'll love this word. It's a Hebrew word basically meaning this. It's one word, and it means two things at the exact same time. Listen and obey. Right? Because how many of you have told your kids, go clean your room? And they're like, okay. Then like 30 minutes later, you come back. My sister's in the back like, today, right? All the time. Like, you go tell your kids, clean their room. You go back 30 minutes later, and it's like worse. And you're like, what? I'm not saying the opposite here. Go destroy your room. Yes, ma'am. And they would go, right? But you're sitting there going, what? did you not listen to me? Well, I heard you. Why didn't you do it? I don't know. It's like you're just saying random statements like, the sky is blue. Pizza is delicious. Go clean your room. Just random things. That's not what God's getting at here. God's going, listen to what I say and do it, right? And all the parents said, amen. Right? This is what Jesus, or this is what God says here in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Starting in verse 4, I will read it to you. I'm in the ESV translation if you want to follow, uh, follow along. God says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. You shall have them as frontals between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. And what God's getting at here is he's given us the, the greatest commandment, which is this. Love the Lord your God with all that you have. With all that you have. That first starts with us whether we're single, whether we have kids or not, that starts with me, that I'm loving the Lord my God. And secondly, of going, I'm going to diligently teach these to my kids. And I'm going to open up this word to them. I'm going to tell them about, hey, this is how Jesus changed my life forever. And I want him to do the same for you. So let me tell you about this person named Jesus. Right? How do we do this, though? How do we do that? How do we make God really, like, talking about him really practical in our lives? Because that's kind of what he's getting at here. Just love Jesus practically, right? Just love him the way that you would love. I mean, you think he's the most important person in your life, right? And most of us say Jesus is the most important thing in my life. But what does our life prove that? It's kind of like this. Anybody ever seen the show Stranger Things? few of us have. I think it's in season three. One of the kids starts off the season. One of the kids comes in. He's come back from camp. He's walking in and all his friends freak him out, right? You know this scene. Well, we look at it and he starts talking to them about, I've got this girlfriend. And he's trying to give evidence to prove that fact, right? Through the entire season and everybody's like, or he's going over there like, I've got a girlfriend. They're like, sure, buddy. Sure. But we find out at the end, oh, he does. And they like to sing a very famous song that I won't sing right now because it'll be stuck in everybody's head. But do we end up like that sometimes with our walk with Christ? To where we say, I love Jesus, I love Jesus. And our friends and family and coworkers are like, sure you do. Like, sure you do. I heard a, a joke a pastor said a long, long time ago that this guy was flying down a road and a cop came and pulled him over. And he went, walked over to the side, and the guy just starts screaming at the cop, why'd you pull me over? I wasn't doing anything. He just starts belligerent this guy. He's like, why'd you do it? And the cop's like, well, sir, to be honest, I saw how you are driving, and then I saw the Jesus Loves You bumper sticker in the back, on the uh, back of your car and the cross up here, and I thought you honestly stole the car. So just saying, these two things didn't match up that way, and that kind of convicts me a little bit, to be honest. But 
looking at it of going, if I'm loving Jesus, if he is everything to me, shouldn't I show that practically in my life? That the name of Jesus is a very common name that comes out of my mouth. That he is a common topic of discussion in our house. And we want to come together with you. If you don't know how to do that, you're not doing that. Hey, I know Paul is committed to it. I'm committed to it. Chelsea's committed to it. We're committed to helping you with that. And so some of the things we want to do is we want to have times where we gather together as parents and maybe one-day parents of going, hey, when I have kids in my home, what does it look like to maybe like at a Tuesday night at 7.30, that's when we come together for 20 minutes, and we're going to read the Bible and we're going to open it up together. Or we're going to pray honestly about things in life. Or we're going to have honest discussions about things that are going on in our kids' lives. Some of my students back in Memphis, I remember some of them were coming to me with some really hard topics. And I was like, okay, let's talk this out. And they're like, why aren't you freaking out like my parents do? I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, well, I want to tell more to my parents, but I know the moment I say it, they're going to freak out. And I'm like, you know why they're freaking out, right? It's because they love you. And they're worried that you're saying things like, I'm struggling with suicide. And I'm struggling with this. And we want to come together and go, how do we have those kind of hard conversations? And our kids want to come to us and talk about it. Because they do. They really do. But how do we do that? And we're going to come together as families and come together with Jesus here and open up Scripture. How do we do that? And so that's one thing that I want to tell you, that for building a youth ministry here, we've got to start at the home. And we can do this, but we have to do this together, right? We're going to teach. We're going to learn how to pray and have discussions. And it may be a little awkward at first. Like especially if you have older kids. But if you have younger kids, as you're starting to build a good habit into the routine of their week, man, you will cherish those moments. To have your kid look at you and go, hey, I was thinking about what you said the other day, Dad, about Jesus. And wouldn't you love that? Instead of going, hey, look at this new YouTuber. <laughs> look at what I'm hearing at school. I don't want to go to church. I don't want to learn about that. But instead, we're investing into our kids' lives spiritually. And so I want us to commit to that. There's this mentality, if you've been in church for a while, that traditionally you look at the pastor, you look at the youth minister, you look at the children's ministry, and you go, they're the professionals. Because that's kind of how our culture's built, right? Like we send our kids to school because the professional's there to teach them math and science and all these things. We send our kids to coaches because they, they're the professionals who know how to build up their bodies. Well, shouldn't that just work for the church too? And that's true, we are going to come together, we're going to help equip your kids, but what you've got to understand from Deuteronomy 6 here is God is calling out parents, you are the chief disciple makers of your children, to not have this weird spiritual substitute. Because I've known a lot of people who will sit back and go, he's yours, make sure that he loves Jesus, and you're like, okay, like, what are you doing with your kid? Well, I pay you to do that. All right, cool. Uh, not cool. So let's come together in this. Because we're also committed to equipping your kids as they come here. As they're gathered together, we're going to take time and help them have opportunities to build fellowship, to make new friends, to make lasting friendships with other people who love Jesus. Because it's really funny. I have a, I have a, very, um, a very strong belief that anybody could be anybody's best friend given the right circumstances. And I think that's true for us, that especially it's funny with teenagers. Like when I, when I was in Memphis during August when we had the younger kids come up and it was like we had the fifth graders come into, into the youth and they're sixth graders now. And it's, it, it kind of looked like a German shepherd and a chihuahua got in the room together. All the older kids are like, what is that? <laughs> and I'm over there like, you used to be that. <laughs> Why are you getting mad? And then to see over a few months of going, hey, I see... 11th graders coming around 7th and 8th graders and becoming friends, becoming mentors to their kids. And we want to provide opportunities to see that happen. And we're going to go and be committed to them to help them know the Bible, to actually know the Bible. Because the Bible, sadly, today's world gets thrown around like it's whatever you want it to be instead of, hey, God is telling you something. And I want to show that to our students. And we want to show that to your students of like, hey, this is how the Bible works and it is incredibly relevant for today. And it has always been relevant for the day. And so we want to do that. We want to help them build a desire 
and to see them like go, hey, how do I reach my friends at school? Because we live in a day and age now where like the youth minister getting into the public school system is kind of like, no, especially with COVID, right? Like you're a plague victim. No, you can't come in. But you know who is there? Our students. And Jesus says, go and make disciples wherever you go, right? We want to help them out with that. We want to build opportunities with these guys of having fellowships, having times of just honest discussion. One of the things that I'm, I'm usually really transparent with students of going, hey, whatever you want to ask, feel free to ask it. I have no filter whatsoever. And so I've had people come up and ask me, he's like, do you think the earth is actually flat? Let's talk about that. Why do you think, like, let's build onto this, which the Bible actually shows that it is round, and we can actually show that to you. Um, um, some other things like, hey, I went out and got a tattoo the other day. I mean, if I got a tattoo, is that a sin? kind of a late-term question now, right? <laughs> like, uh, all right. Or even hard questions like, hey, like, how do I serve? How do I serve in our church? I'm 14 years old, and I, I want to do something. I just don't want to sit. Or I've got a real struggle going on in my life, and I don't really feel like I matter a lot at all. Can you help me? We want to answer those questions, and we want to come around parents as to help you with them answer the questions, and we want to jump in with that as well. And so we're going to do that, and we're also going to give them a lot of opportunities to bring friends around. We're going to do some events. We're going to do some game nights up here. We've got a few gamers in the house. We're going to pl plug up some things, and some of you older folks that think you're good at video games, y'all come on down and get, like, owned by these teenagers, <laughs> right? I want to see that happen. We're going to record it. It's going to be wonderful. We're going to do some trips. We're going to have some lunch. We've got to have lunch with some of these guys already. We're going to do that as we get new students in. We're going to try to maybe even go to some camps, like maybe go down to the beach, maybe go up into the mountains. Like, I want us to have all sorts of possibilities. And that's what I want us to bring here, to come alongside families, to equip them, and to equip our students on how do we love Jesus practically in today's world. How do I fall in love with this Savior day after day after day? When the world looks really scary, and the world looks like it's chaotic, like 2020 in, like in personifies, <laughs> Jesus remains the same, no matter what the world may throw at us, right? But there's one key thing in all this, and you find it actually in the book of Psalms. In Psalm 127, Psalm 127 is a part of a group of psalms called the Psalms of Ascent. What they are is there's these 15 songs that when Israel would go to make sacrifices in Jerusalem, they would have to ascend because the city, the city of Jerusalem is on a hill. They would have to go up to the city, and they would sing these psalms out to God to prepare their hearts to meet God. And in Psalm 127, verse 1, and some of you probably can quote this, the psalmist says, Unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the house, the watchmen keep watch in vain. And something we've got to realize real quick, that this is not going to be an effort by me alone, by Paul alone, or even by us as a church alone, but we've got to go and think, this is about Jesus. And that's a lesson I had to learn really hard a few years ago when I went to seminary. In 2011, I went to Mid-America Baptist Theological Seminary in Memphis, Tennessee. And it's a little bit different seminary than most of the others. Because when you go there, not only are you doing classes, like a normal class load, but you have to do this thing called practical missions. And practical missions means every week you have to go into the community and serve the community in one way. And every semester you have to witness to a minimum of 15 people every semester. And if you don't, you don't get your credit for your classes. And me, the introvert, goes, what? <laughs> like, okay. Because, and I don't know if I'm the only one in the house, but when you hear somebody say, go and present the gospel to somebody, you get a little, little fear comes on you, right? And I'm going, if I'm, I'm paying these people a lot of money, and if I want to get credit for this, I need, I have to do this. And a lot of realities came up for me because I'm going, I'm, it, it's, it's a little scary, but at the same time, I, I feel like God's calling me into ministry. So like telling people about Jesus should just go together, right? But even if I wasn't called to ministry, I'm a follower of Christ. 
and I'm still called to tell people about Jesus. There's no getting out of it. And I remember thinking, how do I do this? Because I'm in Memphis, Tennessee. I have a very, very few friends who are there, and they're all believers. In fact, all of them were like kids of pastors. And I know like very little people. And I'm like, do I, how do I do this? I mean, do I like go to Walmart and like just like try to find somebody in the toilet paper aisle and be like, like, Charmin? Charmin's a good choice. You know what's a better choice? Jesus, right? Like freak that guy out. Be like, I'm going to go now. Like, forgot your Charmin. Let's go, right? Like that was my mentality. Like, how do I do this? How do I get this done? And I spent a long time like battling that, and it was rough until finally I realized from this passage of going, hey, it's not all about me. A lot of times we let the me monster come out of us and like, oh, me, 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 my, my, I, I can't do this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to be uncomfortable. And I'm like, no, 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 no. This is about Christ. And I can't do this anyway unless I'm with him, unless he's leading the way. So the only way we do this, the only way we build a youth ministry here is, first of all, we have to come alongside Christ in the truth of Scripture if we're going to build anything here. And that's us coming alongside him and praying, Lord, how do we do this? Because we got a community here in Republic, Missouri, that a lot of people don't know Jesus. And we got kids in our school who don't know Christ, and they would benefit greatly to know him. Their lives would be changed forever for their good if they just knew who this guy was and what he's done for them. Lord, help us to go and to reach people. Help us to do that. Help us to reach our families to let them know, hey, there's a Savior out there who loves you. And even if you don't have kids, you may have family, or you may have friends, or co-workers, or neighbors, or just random people you're going to encounter as you go and leave here today that do have families. That if I could reach this person for Christ, a family could be reached for Christ. But we cannot forget Christ in it. Right? And we have to walk alongside him and pray, God, guide us and embolden us. Make us bold to go out and teach or help people hear about you who's the greatest person in my life. Let me tell people about it. Let me tell people about him. And so lastly, I just want to practically show you how this works when it comes to Scripture. Look in the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, chapter 16, this is the conversion of Lydia. And so I'm just going to read along, and you can, or I'm going to read, you can follow along if you want. So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace, and following the, day to Neap- the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia, and a Roman colony. And we remained in this city some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed that there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. And the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized and her whole household, as well. She urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. And so, how does all this work out here? Well, first thing I want to show you is if you look back at the first verse, if you pull up uh, verse 11 on here of Acts chapter 16. So, setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace. When you read that and you see the we, what do you find out about the book of Acts when you see this we? Who's writing this? It's the author of this, right? This is a first-person view here. So who is the author of the book of Acts? And don't say Jesus. I mean, it's true, but the human author. Right now? We think Paul, but it's actually Luke. Now, Luke wrote another book of the Bible. Anybody know what book that is? Luke, right? <laughs> You got that one, right? Luke wrote the book of Luke and the book of Acts. The reason he writes is because God inspires Luke to write to his friend Theopolis. And at the beginning of Luke and the beginning of Acts, you see where he writes out, O Theophilus. And what he's telling Theophilus is this. He's like, Theophilus, let me tell you about this guy named Jesus, of who he is and what he has done. 
for you and for me and what he's doing in the world today. That's how he does Luke. And then he goes to Acts and says, Theophilus, let me tell you about Jesus and who he is and what he is doing in our world today through his church. And I think, you might correct me if I'm wrong, that the book of Acts is the only book in the New Testament that does not end with an amen because it is still going on today. We just have the beginning pages of it, and those chapters are still unfolding to this day. And so what I want you to see with that here, why it's significant that we see Luke is the one talking, is because typically when we think of the book of Acts and the other books of the Bible, of the New Testament, we typically think it's all about who? Paul, right? We're like, oh, Paul's doing this, and Paul's doing that, Paul's you know, doing everything, but that's not the case. In fact, you can find almost very few moments in the New Testament where Paul is doing anything by himself. He's usually got a crowd of people with him, and I'll give you a few examples of that. You've heard of Timothy, a kid, a teenager, who was led to Christ by his mother and his grandmother, who Paul brings along with him and becomes a force to be reckoned with in this world. It's the same guy who Paul says, don't let people look down on you because you're young. But instead, by your actions and your character, prove your worth here. Prove who you are in Christ. Don't let people look down on you. And you see Priscilla and Aquila, married couple. They work on tents. They're, they've got a family business going on. And they're in the same business that Paul is. He's a tent maker. And they come together and they're getting tents made. And they go and are serving God. In fact, they go on to witness to a guy named Apollos, who is like a superstar of the day. Like today's culture, we have people who we kind of revere. We look at, you know, some politicians, some music stars, actors, and so on and so on. We got those people. But in this day, the people who were most famous were orators, speakers. And Apollos was among the cream of the crop. Like he was better than Paul even. And he's got, he, he kind of knows a little bit about God. And these, this, heart, this working class couple hear him and they go, hey, we can tell him more about Jesus. Like that would be the equivalent of like you and your wife running into Brad Pitt in Springfield and going, let's go tell him about Jesus. That's what these guys did. And Apollos heard, God opened his heart, and then he becomes a force to be reckoned with on the earth in Jesus' name. And you see Luke, you see Silas, you see Dozens of people who are with Paul this whole time. And so why I bring that up is because a lot of times in church culture, we tend to look at our Paul, right, and think he's got to do everything, right? He's the guy who comes up here and preaches every Sunday, except for these last two, he's been taking some time off. I'm kidding. That's my But he's out here. He's preaching every Sunday. He's the guy visiting all the hospitals. He's the guy, you know, witnessing to the guy on the Charmin Isle at Walmart. We pay him to do everything. We've been, I've been in some churches before where people go, yeah, and I pay him to do that. But that is not of Christ. Paul is called to lead this church, but we're not called to sit and pay our dues, and that's it. We're called to go and make disciples. And this is what Luke and Silas and Timothy and Apollos and all these other guys who you don't hear a lot about because they're not the leader of this little band, but they are all playing their part. They're all playing their role, and they're going out. And what does Luke say here as he's writing to Theophilus? Theophilus, let me tell you about this time that God used me to meet this woman named Lydia who listened to Paul speaking. It wasn't just Paul. It was God using all of us in this. And as we build a youth ministry here, it's going to have to take the church to do this, right? As we're going to build through this. And for us here, you know, we can change the kind of the, the old tradition of it's the pastor's job to do everything. It's not the pastor's job to do everything, right? It's the church's job to follow Jesus as he does everything. Okay? And so we're going to do this. Whether you have family or kids or not, it's for all of us here to tell them about Jesus. And here's the cool thing. Can you save anybody's soul? No. You lack the ability to do that. You know whose job that is? Jesus. You know what our job is? Have faith that God is who he says he is. That he's done what he said he's going to do. And obey the one that saved you, died for you, created you.
right? That's all that Paul and Luke and the rest of these guys are doing. We're going to go, we're going to tell the world about you, about Jesus. And here's the thing. You look in verse 14 here, as we prove this part. Verse 14, he says, One who heard was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who is a worshiper of God, and the Lord opened her heart to pay attention. And you may go out there and talk to people about Jesus, and they seem like they don't care. But that's not your job to worry about them being saved. It's your job to just say it and let God open the hearts. Let God lead them. Our job is to be obedient on that. And you see here of what God can do. What God can do with a couple of guys who are from the Middle East who go up to Macedonia, head up to Europe, and meet a couple of people they never met. Who, By the way, Lydia is a really rich woman. Like She is a fashion designer of her day, and she wants to know God. I think a lot of times we kind of, we kind of think most people don't want to know God. And I think it's the exact opposite. I think people want to know God. They just don't know if he wants to know them. And we have the message that says he does, right? And so who knows what God may do through you? You may be like Paul, that God's called you on a mission somewhere. You may be Timothy. You're just, you feel like you're the young buck and you don't know everything, but you know what, I want to do something. Maybe you're Priscilla and Aquila, you and your... You and your spouse, we want to do something for the glory of God. Maybe you're Apollos, you want to be a speaker. Maybe you're Luke, you're a doctor, you got influence and you want to know how to use that. Maybe you're Lydia, you're the rich woman, and how do I use those resources? Which Lydia is one of the biggest helpers of Paul in his journey through the next chapters of this. Or maybe you're like the guy we're not going to talk about, or we're not going to read about, but we'll talk about, who Paul meets next, who's a jailer. You see, Paul gets arrested. Him and one of the other guys on the team, Silas, gets arrested. And there's this jailer who's working the graveyard shift. And in comes these religious guys who get arrested. And he thinks it's a normal night. And then there's like a bunch of like gospel music coming out of the back of the jail. He's like, okay. And then an earthquake happens. And then it's like, oh no, everybody's going to get released. And he panics and he thinks he's going to have to kill himself. And then Paul goes, no, 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 stop. And then this conversation ensues to which this jailer comes and accepts Christ. And then he goes, come to my house for my family's sake because he wants his family to know Christ. And they go to his family's house and they, be, they know Christ. You see how this works? Is we, I may not have kids, but I may know somebody who does have kids. And when they meet Christ, they're probably going to want their family to know Christ, right? How we build a youth, how we build a children's ministry, how we build a church. Because here's the thing, the city of Philippi, the church in Philippi started with two families, a really rich woman and her family and an average Joe, a cop and his family, probably lower class, middle class person. Because God doesn't see in the realm of classes. God sees people he created and he wants them. And he's calling us to go and reach them. And so Jesus used Luke and Paul this way. To save kids, to save teenagers, to save families. People they never met. I mean, these guys went after Lydia, right? They went looking for Lydia. But they didn't go looking for the jailer. That just happened to, they just happened to come across him, right? After they'd been arrested. But all of it was in God's design of going, I've got two people I want you to meet. To start a revolution in Philippi for the glory of God. And so it's as a church that we need to look to build a youth ministry here. To build a children's ministry. To build the church itself. It's all of us working together through the power of the Holy Spirit. And if we're going to do this, we've got to do it together through Him, right? And if you're nervous about this, you're worried about it, remember back to what Jesus said at the end of the Great Commission. Surely I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. The one who created you knows every hair on your head. The one who, or lack thereof, sorry. But uh, I'm getting that way. But the one who created stars, created the very air you breathe, is saying, I want you to go tell people about Jesus and I will help you tell them about me. <laughs> right? Tell them about me and I'll be with you while you do it. That's his promise to us. And it is for our good to do it 
It is for family's good. It's for the people of this world's good. Like knowing Jesus is a good thing for your life, right? In general, like heaven, probably a good thing. The alternative, not so good. But not just heaven, but now. And so it's for our good, for their good, and for the glory of God. We do this together. And I think if we can do this, if we can come together, we can see Crosspoint grow in ways that people would have thought impossible. To see a thriving youth ministry, a thriving children's ministry, a college ministry, an adult ministry, and all the ministries in between. I think that's how we do it. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the day, and thank you for you. God, embolden us to go out into the world and to just tell people about the one we love. Help us not to be worried about that. Help us not to be ashamed of that. And when we are, forgive us and strengthen us. Help us to go to you, Holy Spirit, when we lack the words to say, when we lack the courage to go. Help us to just trust in you and to go with each other. That We're not going to do this by ourselves, but we're in this all together. And help us to come together in that. God, thank you for the students we do have. Thank you for the families we have. Thank you for every person in here. And I pray that we go out and we get somebody in our hearts who needs to know you. Not just to build numbers here in this church, but to see them come to life. To be set free from the sin that has enslaved them for so long to know the one who created them, the one who died for them, the one who lives today, who loves them more than anything they can hope for, dream of, or imagine. Help us, Lord, to go forth and make disciples. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Why don't you stand with me? Let's sing a couple songs together uh, this morning. Respond to God with what God's been challenging us to do through clay. We're going to sing, um, for the, the guys in the back, we're going to sing, I surrender and follow you anywhere.
strength, no Lord, but yours alone, nothing else, but you, oh Lord, I find everything in you, give it to him, not my will, but yours be done, not my strength. like Clay said over and over again, it's, it's all on him, it's all on Christ, what he's done, his power, his strength, his uh, compelling love that draws us to him. We are, are the voices, we deliver the message, we are messengers uh, for him. Um, and, and he does the wooing, he does the, the drawing um, to, to him and to, into relationship with him. Um, but we have to speak, we, ha- we, have to, we have to be bold, we have to uh, reach out and, and as we go, make disciples. That's what we're talking about this morning. Um, we're going to sing one more song this morning, um, a song we haven't sung in, in quite a while here, but it's one of my favorite songs. It's um, a song that talks about how no matter what comes my way, no matter what um, is in my path, um, I'm going to follow Jesus. And it's when we follow Jesus that this thing, these things become simple, they become easy. Um, when, when I'm following Jesus with all of my heart, it's easy to tell my daughter about him. It's easy to tell others about him because um, it's just second nature at that point. I'm following him anywhere uh, he will take me. So uh, let me pray and then we'll sing that last song together. Lord, uh, Lord I thank you so much for being um, the God who draws people near to him, uh, to, to yourself, that it is your kindness, Lord, that, bre- that leads us to repentance. You are kind to us. You are loving to us. And it is so easy to surrender to you when we know that we have nothing left of ourselves that we can rely on, nothing left in this world to rely on. But it is only through you that we find peace and love and joy in every good thing. And God, we want those who are around us to know you. We want um, youth to know you. We want um, our children to know you. We want these people to fall in love with the God, who the, that we, the same God we've fallen in love with. So God, help us to, to be better leaders, to be better speakers, to be emboldened in ways that, um, that would change lives. And it's not us changing their life, it's you. It's all you, God. Help us to follow you. Help us to, to, to wholeheart with just reckless abandon, wholeheartedly seek after you and chase you. God, we love you so much in what you're doing through this church, through our leadership, but also through us. Every single person in this room is a disciple maker. We thank you, Lord, for choosing us in that process. Lord, um, as we sing to you and as we give our tithes and our offerings to you before we go, Lord, um, I just pray that um, you would continue to inspire us to to seek after you first. I'm going to pray. Amen. to 
Sometimes when somebody's not preaching, we think that we can take that week off. But 
Our worship services have been some of the most powerful services that we have had at any point during this year. And this next one, we are going to not only spend time worshiping God and spend time in prayer, but we also are going to take the Lord's Supper to finish that day off. Uh, hopefully you feel refreshed. You haven't had to listen to me in two weeks now, and by that time, three weeks. And so the week after that, we're actually going to start our series that will carry us through Christmas. We're going to look at the cast of Christmas, the different characters involved in Jesus' Uh, story in his early life, and so I'm excited about that. I'm excited about what is happening here at Crosspoint, guys. I, I've been telling people this. There is so much life in our church, and we are at a spot uh, that maybe is better than any time I can remember being here, and I, I feel like we're, we're kind of at that point where we can go one or two ways. We can either take off or maybe go the other way, but I think what's going to happen is we're going to take off, and we do that by making Christ a priority. Yes. And really, that's what you could boil that's down right. and place terms to. Make Christ a priority in your life. You want it to be a priority in your kid's life. Make it a priority in yours, and it will be. I want to encourage you guys to go and put Christ first and to understand and know, like Clay said, Christ is with you every step of the way. Every step of the way. Have a great week. I missed you guys last week. I feel so much life being here this week, and I can't wait for what God has coming down the pipe. So be here next week. Be ready to worship. We love you.